The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, your host. I'm here. Of course I am. It's my show. Uh, I am here this week with the fantastic Andrea Guevara. I already know I said it wrong. <laughs> I, it came out of my mouth and I was like, nope, wrong. Because I have a friend that is named Andrea. And that is, she spells it the exact same way as you. It's, you're not Andrea, you're Andrea, right? It's right. Yeah, exactly. Andrea. Yeah. It's, it's a trick name. <laughs> um, I think that our mothers were like, we're going to name you this so that you know who your true friends are. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. Or it's like, it's like when someone has like, like I have a friend, Christopher, whose family only called him Christopher. So when someone tries to call him Chris, He's like, oh, you don't know me at all. And it's yeah. like, a, you know, it's a, it is a weird litmus test of like, how well do you know me? Anyhow, y'all, let's just be, let's just tell them what happened. So we've been <laughs> recording. We recorded for like 15 minutes and then all the power went out in my house. <laughs> and, and you had to, you waited in a no man's land of limbo for like 15 minutes while I figured out my life. And now we're here again. So, um, <laughs> you know, we're just starting over for you because that's how we do. That's what I was like, well, this is entrepreneurship, right? Like all the power goes out and you're like, we're just going to keep going, which yeah. is kind of what we're talking about today. Actually, we're talking about mindset today, friends. And if you are a long time listener of the show, I'm sure you're thinking, oh my God, Renee, another episode about mindset. And to that, I say, uh, yeah, hell yeah. Another episode about mindset, because it's not like you just work on your mindset once and then you're set for life. That's not how this works. Uh, do you agree on that? Like mindset is a constant, not constant in a bad way, but like it's work that continues, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I wish <laughs> that, I wish it was like, oh, I just need to do this fun little exercise and I'm good, but no. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, I will say for me though, like there are some parts of the mindset work that I've done over the many, many years that are now like in my body. They're like part of me. It's a little more um yes i don't have i don't have to think about it so hard but then there are other parts that are just like oh geez how many times do i have to learn this lesson right but <laughs> totally. I, that's all part of the human experience i i'd like to chalk it up to but um i love your perspective on it uh because now we're in 2022 right and we've been through a lot <laughs> the last two years understatement of the century how has your mindset been during the pandemic, the, the continuing ongoing pandemic? How's that been for you? All over the place, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I, it's funny because in the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, yeah, I've been through so much stuff in my life. Like I was born to do this. And then of course, you know, a little bit more time goes by and you're like, oh God, what's happening? You know, 
the world is falling apart. How do I cope? And so, yeah, I mean, it's like a roller coaster. And I, I don't really think you ever like arrive at right, right. this perfect place. But it's funny that you said that because I had a similar feeling about myself when the pandemic started. I, I knew I wasn't equipped for like staying inside. Like I'm an extrovert and <laughs> I like to travel. And like that part was really like, oh, okay. Like there's a small part of me that really loved like cozy and books and like reading all day. And that part, not having no expectations put on me, which didn't happen at first. At first it was constant work because of my weddings. But there was a period where I did think, well, I've been through much worse in my life. Like I can handle this, right? Which I think right. is like maybe something to be said about those of us who've experienced like capital T trauma or, 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 or you know, lowercase T trauma. <laughs> I don't know if that's like badge of honor. It's not, but, um, <laughs> but it's funny that I, I, I remember having that thought and journaling about it and thinking like, um, maybe that's something I shouldn't really talk about. <laughs> like maybe that's, <laughs> that's probably not a good thing, but yeah, you, I know you have like, tips and tools that you've used, but tell people a little bit about um, pre-pandemic, some of your story, because it's so interesting. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I um, I totally relate to that. Um, and I have to say, like, side note, at the very beginning of the pandemic, like, I'm a weirdo. I, I'm not really not sure why I love this, but I love, like, post-apocalyptic films. I want to know how I would survive. So in the beginning, I was like, yeah, let's go stock up on stuff. And, you know, <laughs> I'm going to put dates on all the cans and I know how, you know. But yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah I, I had a weird day where I was like driving to this, there's this restaurant near me in, in LA that just serves salads. It's like such an LA thing. And I love, oh, yeah. I love it. And I love it there. But right at the beginning of the pandemic, they had all this product and all these orders that were still coming in, but no one to sell to. So they would sell it. They were selling these like farm boxes. They were huge. Oh, wow. And so they were texting all the people that were like on their list saying like, do you want a farm farm box? And I was like, I hadn't left the house in weeks, but I was like, I'll get a farm box. And I drove like a mile and a half down the main drag here. And there was literally not a single other person out. And I felt like, oh, I'm in one of those movies, like zombies yeah. are about to come out any moment just because yeah. I wanted to get some arugula. Jesus. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So oh, sorry. Yes. Gosh. I yes. interrupted you with my arugula story. You go. No, I love it. <laughs> I mean, this is all a part of survival, right? And mindset. <laughs> I need my bougie um, lettuce. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. That that is. It's actually a good point because yeah, in the past, I have been in other survival situations where I didn't even have the money to stock up on food. So that would have right. been a completely different scenario. And I think it is important to to bring that up that there are. So many people in America who did not have a very nice experience in the pandemic in terms of, you know, we what we hear about a lot in the media is like, oh, we got to, it was so great. I got to slow down. I didn't have to work or, you know, whatever the, we played games and did puzzles and we learned how to make sourdough bread. And yeah, and I, I can't help but think of the people who that was not their reality. They still had to go to work. And expose yeah. themselves and still had to figure out how they were going to get their kid taken care of while they had to go to work and, you know, putting themselves in harm's way, basically for all of us who got to have a more cushy experience. And um, the kind of short of, of that is my kids and I, um, I got married very young and 
I, when I left my husband, who was uh, emotionally abusive, we did okay for a while. And then he took off, stopped paying child support. And around that same time, my business collapsed and we were homeless a couple of times. Um, and when I say that, I, I want to be careful how I say that because we were not on the street. We had- right. You were just without a stable home. Exactly. We were yeah. in my mom's living room um, of her one bedroom apartment. Um, but the there's a kind of agony and despair that you experience when you don't have a stable place to be. Yeah. That's, you know, and I, I cannot speak to what it's like to be on the streets, but I do know what it's like to be in a living room and be trying to figure out how to get free childcare for my kids and trying to bring in money and trying to get yourself out of that situation. And it's very traumatic. And you kind of, you go, you definitely go into survival mode where you cannot think clearly. Yeah. You're doing your best, but it's as, you know, it's as if part of your brain has been removed. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, you know, we look at homeless people sometimes and I did this before that experience happened to me. And I thought, you know, gosh, why don't they just do this or that? Right. <laughs> oh, it's so easy. Just go get a job. It's like, well, yeah. it's not really the case for some people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do you get a job when you don't have a car? You don't have a place to shower. You may be right. like, you know, there's a lot of everyday life becomes this impossible challenge. And, you know, I'm not perfect. Far from it. I made mistakes. I did things wrong or quote unquote wrong. Uh, but I also had to figure out how to survive. And my kids were my North Star for that is just trying to keep myself sane. The first time we were homeless, I really shut down and it took a couple years to emotionally recover. And so the second time we were homeless, uh huh, I was like, okay, I need to take care of my mindset. I need to take care of my mental health as best I can, you know, while working two jobs and freelance yeah. and, you know, had two preteens. It's an interesting thing to think about now i think from this you know 2020 hindsight of of your experience or you know i'm not speaking to your experience but my, even my own experience yeah. is that when you look back at the time that you didn't have the healthier mindset or working on your mindset and think like oh i wonder how much different that could have gone had i known what i know now right oh my god yeah right so what was the i mean i i know i understand the circumstances were not great for you but what was the difference the second time around when you said okay i need to work on my mindset like, how did you get to that place where you were like, okay, this is it? Yeah. So one of the biggest things was learning to let go of this perception of what you need to be. You know, mm. one of, part of that, that agony is that, is, is the expectation you're putting on yourself of like, okay, say, even saying like, I am homeless. I failed at my business. My my business was a huge part of my identity. I was very proud of being an entrepreneur and I had felt like that was kind of what made me special. And so when I failed at that, it was like part of my identity had been destroyed. And then on top of it, it's it's one thing if it's just you, but when you have kids too, you're looking at, I'm destroying their childhood. And you start putting all these 
really negative weights on yourself. And the problem is that you've already got enough to deal with. And so (laughs) you're just adding to your own misery. The difference for me was it started with being able to work on forgiving myself and giving myself space to be a flawed human being. And I don't think that especially women do that enough. I think we put so much on our shoulders and society does too, because we're, we're raised in it. You know, we think that we need to be the mom, the entrepreneur, the good partner and be physically fit, be mentally fit, whatever. Right. And also beautiful and charismatic and charming and yeah, all the things. Yeah. 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 And it's really, it really is impossible. And we don't, when it comes down to it, we love everyone else except for ourselves. And it took, I was reading a book at the time called A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. Mm, And that was a good one. yeah, Yeah. It really was what I needed in that moment. I had grown up in fundamentalist Christianity and I was out of it by that point, but that legacy of perfectionism and kind of like this idea that you were born sinful, like you're already born at a disadvantage, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? Yeah. was really deeply ingrained. And that book was, she introduced this concept of, no, God made you in his image. He loves you no matter how messed up you are. And I don't think you have to believe in God for that to, you know, that idea to work, but it really, that for me at that point in time, freed me up to be like, okay, maybe I can actually forgive myself for these things and go for right. that. Right. And it's, and it's interesting that, that, that even the phrasing that you use is like, forgive yourself because for most of your story, it was things that happened to you, not nothing. You know <laughs> what I mean? So it's like, you're forgiving yourself for the things that, for the circumstances, that you found yourself in, which is also, you know, if you think of, you know, a kind of a, an interesting way to, that we look at the world, you know, as women uh, yeah. to say like, oh, these things that I had, that I really didn't have a lot of control over, I still have to be, I have to own and take responsibility for because that's what's required of me in this world. Right. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I want to uh, hone in on something that you, you touched on, which was, you know, like, so much of your identity was in your entrepreneurship because I think a lot of my listeners feel that way. I know I do as well. Mm-hmm. I'm in, in a full transparency. Last year, 2021 was not a great year for us in the business. Like it wasn't, it wasn't bad by all, by anyone else's standards. It was probably a successful year, but I felt like it was a failure, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which has very little to do with the facts, right? But had has a lot to do with my feeling about where I wanted the business to be and where I wanted to be and, and all these, all these expectations. And I kind of want to just speak a little bit about how you kind of um, unhooked from that. Mm, Yeah, that's, you really hit the nail on the head there. I mean, that is, I know what you mean. (laughs) We put those on our, well, well, society puts it on us and then we like adopt it and make it part of our DNA, which is so troubling, but yeah. So after kind of, realizing that I needed to forgive myself for these absolutely unrealistic expectations. The next thing was 
looking at how do I, you know, still being in the midst of it, how do I keep my sanity, really? How do I keep like my baseline when I'm already pushed to my limit? And at that point in time, I kind of had a moment where I was like, I was doing work that I liked, um, but I, I wasn't, my big dream was to become a writer and start doing more speaking. And, and that's really all I had. I didn't know what it was going to be about. I had no idea anything. Like it was that little, but I had a moment where I was like, well, you failed at everything else. So you might as well go for what you really want. <laughs> now, see, that, that's a mindset I can get behind because most people would say, well, I failed at everything else. I shouldn't even try. You're saying, well, <laughs> if my brain is going to tell me I failed at everything else, I may as well throw this against the wall and see what sticks, which is yeah. amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny because, you know, you always hear these stories, especially in the entrepreneurship world where it's like, yeah, here's my success story. I quit my six-figure finance job and took a huge <laughs> risk starting this business. And you're like, bro, shut up. Yeah, your huge risk with your, with your cushy, uh, you know, savings account. God bless. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, you don't often hear that, oh, I was at the bottom of the barrel and chose to just try something else. But yeah, um, yeah, I didn't feel like I had anything else to lose at that point. So it, it that has, having i think we really underestimate having doing even little steps in the direction of something that we're very isn't very important to us so it doesn't have to be a huge dream it doesn't have to be oh i want to be an author it can be something as simple as like i just want to be i want my kids to really know in their bones how much i love them what does that look like for me how can i build that into my life and so there's kind of this two-pronged approach of like, how do I get through each day and try to, as much as possible, stave off survival mode because I know that attacks my ability to think properly. And how do I also keep going towards something that gives me hope in my life? Because you've got to have some kind of hope or if you're only focused on surviving the day, eventually that just gets old and right. isn't enough of a pull. Uh, right. There has yeah. to be a bigger mission statement for your life. Yeah, exactly. And so one of the things that I did at that point in time was, like I said, so again, I was working two jobs. I had a kid in high school and a kid in junior high. And I was also picking up freelance work whenever I could get it. And, you know, we're, we're living at that point, we were in a bedroom in my mom's upgraded two bedroom apartment. But that was, you know, a two bedroom apartment with a hundred pound German shepherd, my mom and her husband, and the three of us. So, that is crowded. That is crowded. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, obviously they were not, they were in a two bedroom apartment. They were not financially well off either. And so the, the level of stress was a lot, but the, what I did, I told myself, okay, you have to spend 10 minutes a day on something for yourself. And for me, that was working on writing. And I actually started a blog at that time. And just for accountability alone was like, I'm going to write something, even if it's like a paragraph every day for a month. 
just so that I know I'm not giving up on something that I love, but I'm also taking care of myself. It doesn't even have to be 10 minutes. Like we can, we can definitely find five minutes. If, if, if it's only when we go to the bathroom or when we go to the, <laughs> take a shower, right. we can find that time to just take a moment to be conscious and just remind yourself that you're a human being. At the base level, none of this other stuff that's happening, money, credit scores, jobs, all this stuff does not actually matter when you're just thinking about living. And you, to be able to take a moment and whether that's doing a meditation or just saying, I'm gonna think about how much I love my kid. You just talking about that, as I say that right now, I feel the shift in my body. I love that. You know, I love that. I love the idea of just taking five minutes. I, I know I, I've mentioned this on the show before, but I, <laughs> I tend to overestimate uh, what every, what the amount of time things take. Right. So I have this uh, ritual. I have a lot of like now sort of morning routines. I'm not an early morning person. I'm certainly not going to get up at 5am. Like that sounds miserable to me, but same. <laughs> whenever I do get up, there's certain things I do. And one of them is I make, I make a food plan for the day. I work with a life coach. That's one of the things that that's part of the program. There were some days that I, I didn't do it. I was too busy. And I, I was telling myself all these stories about how I didn't have time, right? I didn't have time to do this, do this plan every day. I didn't have time for it. I just needed to like get up and get going. I needed to get to work. And then I yep. finally like got honest with myself and I was like, what are you really trying to avoid here? But then also how much time does this thing really take? And I timed myself and can I tell you, it's so embarrassing. It took me four and a half minutes to make a food plan for the day. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Yeah. And I know I've mentioned this on the show before, but it's the thing that I think about when I try to tell myself that I don't have time to, I don't know, blow dry my hair or like, you know what I mean? All of these things that just fall under like putting myself first for a tiny moment. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh no, I couldn't possibly, I have to answer this client email. It's like, especially in the wedding industry, especially for wedding planners. And a lot of my listeners are wedding planners. You know, we really suck at putting ourselves first because we think that our clients have to come first because we think that's what they signed up for when they hired us. Yes. And it really isn't. And I've spent most of my career, you know, reminding myself and others that that actually isn't the job. And I know that you, I mean, with, uh, listen, with, uh, with your story and, and your kids and how did you, or did you ever find time to put yourself first? How did you manage that? Um, yeah, I did actually. I mean, so obviously it wasn't much time. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but I did, it, I, I was lucky. So I was a teen mom. I had my son when I was uh, a, a week after my 18th birthday. Like I was praying, I was like, please be late. He was due the day after my birthday. I was like, please don't be on time. You know, like just be a little bit late. I want to be an adult, oh. <laughs> um, which is hilarious. But so I, from a young age, I was hyper aware of the idea of like being, seeing moms totally absorb themselves in motherhood and forget their own identity. Yeah. And then the kids grow up, right? And they are like, who am I? And I didn't want that to happen to me. I was very, like I say, hyper aware, especially because I was so young and still didn't even know who I was yet before I had a kid. So that was always really important to me and how I found time during those really difficult times when I was working so much was 
I was dating someone at the time, believe it or not. I met, we had our first date like uh, a week before we became homeless. So that's fun. Um, <laughs> that's a story for another day. But at no, the time, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we're still, we're still casual friends from afar. But uh, at the time, you know, that was part of it was like, okay, I'm going to go out on a date, even though I feel like that's not the most efficient use of my time or whatever. Right. Um, but also just carving out that little bit of time each day for myself alone too, because that's the other thing is I think we definitely as women don't give ourselves enough time or attention alone without anyone else's priorities. It, it's, it's easy for us to, I think, for most of us, I guess I should say, to absorb what everyone else needs and wants. And when we don't make even five minutes a day for ourselves to know what we want, we start feeling really dissatisfied and anxious and overwhelmed, and we don't even really know why. And I think right. a lot of it stems from that, you know, our own self-knowledge. And again, it was really just in those five to 10 minutes a day of being in the shower or sitting down and writing stuff down to get back in touch with like, okay, where am I at? Who am I right now? How do I breathe? And it, I know it sounds silly that it could be that small amount of time that helps you do that, but it really is. It's, it's not going to fix everything, but it helps you get through it and it helps you retain your identity, which is huge. I agree. It's funny. Um, it's not funny. I always say things are funny, but it's not funny, but it's interesting to me. So I don't have the experience of motherhood. I, my husband and I don't have kids and we have no plan to. Nice. <laughs> <And> we're, also, <laughs> we're, we're, we're also rapidly getting to the point where it's not, it's no longer a choice. It's just, <laughs> it's biology. But, um, but I do remember as a young person in my twenties, finding that I would lose myself in my relationships with men right? Yeah. I, that was a huge thing for me. And in my twenties, I kept, I mean, I kept doing it over and over. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I would know, like, I would see that I would do it. So I would like start a new relationship, be super excited about it. And then like six months to a year in, I'd be like, where'd Renee go? Where, mm -hmm. where did she go? And I started becoming so aware of it. So that the time that I would, it would take me to notice it would get shorter, but it wasn't until I was really in my thirties that I, I dealt with it. Right. And obviously that isn't the relationship I have with my husband now because um, I worked on it, but I remember that feeling of losing myself. Right. And sort of coming up for air one day and being like, Oh, all of my hobbies are his hobbies. All of my goals are his goals. Um, yeah. Which if you know me now as a grown woman, I'm sure people are like, what you it's like, Oh yeah, girl, me. <laughs> um, but the idea, of, I always think, when I think back on who I was then, what I know for sure is that I didn't really know what I wanted. Yeah. What I wanted was love, which is mm. such a amorphous con <laughs> concept, right? Yeah. But I never had really given any thought to what kind of person do I want in my life? Right. And mm -hmm. I know this is, I know we don't talk, we talk about business here, but let's just, let's just go with this for a minute. Cause I'm, I promise you there's a point. I was just looking for love, right? I just thought, well, this person will treat me well and I love him and he seems to he seems to love me and let's do this thing. It wasn't until I got really clear about what I wanted out of my life 
that I thought, okay, well, what kind of human person <laughs> is going to help, like, is going to support me in this and that I can support in their, in their story as well. And I think yes. the same thing happens to us in our businesses as entrepreneurs. And I, I, and I admit this when I first started my business as a wedding planner, I just wanted any wedding, anyone who would have me, anyone who needed a help, right? I was, I was eager to yep. be helpful. And now, you know, nine years later in my business and 13 years in the hospitality industry, it's like, I have a very specific idea of who I serve well. And I, and I know exactly who I don't serve well. And yep. that only came from lived experience, but also being really clear about what I want and what I care about and what, and what I value. And I have to remind myself all the time. Um, I am super fortunate to get a lot of opportunities if I said yes to all of them, I would just be a puddle on the floor, right? Yeah. I, I would, I would, I would cease to exist because there was just be no more me. Yeah. And, and so again, I think in this iteration of my life, I can, I can see that if I'm not careful with my mindset, with my values, my, you know, what is important to me, I can totally get lost in the, oh, well, they asked me to, and the popularity of like, well, they asked me to do this thing. And how could I possibly say no? So it's, it's work that is always ongoing because it, it applies to so many different levels of our lives. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's such a great point. And like, as you were saying that, I was thinking about that time too, when I was uh, dating this person and we ended up actually moving in together and we were together for a few years and, you know, it wasn't the right match, but he was a good guy, but I did even with that commitment to, to pursuing my own interests and, trying to be conscious, I did lose myself a little bit in him as well. And I had yeah. to work on that. And my kids saw that, you know, they told me later, my kids are adults now. And, and, you know, my son was like, yeah, you kind of, that wasn't really you during that time, you know, and it, which is sad because it's, we, we have so much to offer. If I, I think personally that we all have these certain passions and talents and they're different for a reason because we all have different things that we're kind of meant to do in this world. And when we tie our own hands by prioritizing other people or doing things we quote unquote should do, it's really sabotaging our own lives long-term and the people that we could potentially help or influence in a positive way. And unfortunately, when you're going through something really difficult, it can be hard to keep those, both of those things going because you're just trying to survive the moment. But I think actually part of that survival, true survival, is trying to keep an eye towards that at the time. What do I want? What is important to me? I think that's actually one of the, I always hate it when people say that there's a silver lining or a gift in, <laughs> right? you know, the, right. The whatever. But I mean, I guess I do kind of like that analogy, the medicine and the pain. Yes. That one makes more sense to me. And I will say, despite all of the things I just talked about, honestly, the worst thing I ever went through was my mom dying. And it was like, my entire everything I knew was eviscerated and meanwhile everyone around me in my life is still going on about as like 
as if the world was not over. <laughs> right. <laughs> the medicine in that pain was really, I don't give a shit as much yeah. anymore about what I should or shouldn't do or, or who I should or shouldn't be. I mean, I'm again, I'm still on this journey and I have my moments where I do, but in general, it really freed me up to be able to say, nope, fuck this. This is what's important to me. I love a good fuck this. I mean, that's, (laughs) I turned 45 last year and it's, it's just, it's just buckets of fuck this now. I'm like, I don't, I'm not doing that. I don't want to do it. I have no, and I don't even, I'm not in an unkind way, but it's just like, I don't think I owe anyone a lot of explanations anymore. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, when I was going through this grief process, I was introduced to this idea, which is, I mean, super interesting, like listeners look it up and look more into it because it's so freeing but there's this idea and it's you know backed by science that we only have a certain limited amount of attention units in our brain on a given day Mm, mm -hmm. and when you are going through something difficult your brain whether you are consciously thinking about it or not is trying to deal with it and solve it and so when you're going through a pandemic or a loved one dying or struggling with finances, your subconscious is always working on that problem. So if you've got 50, 90% of your brain going to that, you know, you don't have much left to do the other things. And so you have to cut yourself a break and give yourself a different level of expectation and just have less fucks to give. Agreed. What does your mindset practice look like today when you're not in that day-to-day struggle anymore? Pandemic notwithstanding. (laughs) Right, right. Well, I am also not a morning person. And even though all the people say, you need to get up at 5.30 and do I'm never going to do Everyone needs to stop telling me that because it's it's a big fuck no for me. No way. (laughs) So, yeah, it's just not the way my body works, you know? And that's one of the things, right? You got to do what works for you. So like my, for what works for me is I do get up anywhere from seven to nine, depending on how well I slept, because I do have sleep issues sometimes. And um, I'm lucky enough to be an entrepreneur. So I get to have that flexibility. Usually I will often, um, I kind of go through cycles of what, is the focus at the time. So if I'm working on something I'm writing, then I will have a notebook or I will have my iPad right next to my bed. And I don't even, I get out of bed to grab it and I get back in bed and I sit there and I just basically vomit out whatever is happening. I do that too. (laughs) (laughs) It's so transformative, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just explore what you think before you look at social media or emails or anything else, it grounds you in a way that nothing else can. Um, and then I, I go for a walk and I try not to listen to anything. Like I don't listen to a podcast or anything that's trying to teach me anything. You know, I'll, I'll just listen to music and allow my brain to have that quiet space because years ago, I I really got into meditation. Um, 
I, my daughter was struggling in school with attention and I was trying, we were, her teacher and I were trying everything. And I finally came across, this was back in like 2008 when mindful awareness was not a household term. Meditation right. was not something everybody was doing. Um, but it really, it interrupts your squirrel brain, mm-hmm. you know, it really just gives you a moment to be present in your life. And that what that's doing on a scientific level is accessing your executive function again. And you have to be able to do that if you're going to figure out what's next for you and be at peace. And so that's kind of, I, I leave it. I don't put, I used to have a list of like eight things that I try to do every morning. And then I was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's 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 unrealistic. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm not able to do that. And, and I would say, you know, and then I return to the house and um, I make my coffee and I make my breakfast and I spoil the dog by giving him pieces. <laughs> and um, then I begin my work day. And I will say, like, if you're someone who is just starting out with trying to fit some time in for yourself, it really is, even if you're not a morning person, it is important to do it as the first thing of the day, I think, because you do get clouded by everything else that's happening. And if you can take that time initially to just center yourself again, even if it's only five, 10 minutes, you can do the calm app for five minutes. Like you don't even have to pay for the calm app to do that. You could do the free download, do a five minute meditation. And that will, you will start to see results. You will start to see because that, it doesn't just allow you to access the executive functioning in that moment, but it builds over time like a muscle and it becomes easier so that when you're totally stressed out in the middle of your day, you can remember, you know what, I'm going to just take a moment to regroup and it, you can sink into that easier. I agree. What, something that I did in this last uh, quarter of 2021, especially I had a very hectic October that I actually might do a a separate podcast episode on because it was so uh, insane. I would find, well, two things, right? Is that one, I think we have to be better at tuning into our own bodies and our minds and what is happening in our bodies. And a lot of times when you said like that squirrel brain, like I feel that like in my skin, I feel it. I can (laughs) feel when my body is starting to like spiral, right? Yep. And nothing good can come from me sitting at this desk when I feel that way because what ends up happening is I just open emails, read them, freak out and not respond. (laughs) Totally, totally. And so what I decided to do back in October is that when that happened, I was getting up from the desk, going in the bedroom, putting on the Peloton app, which I'm a Peloton member, as you all know, (laughs) and doing like a five minute meditation because I just needed it in that moment. So it's possible that I had already done one in the morning, (laughs) but, but I'm not a skilled, uh, I'm not a practiced uh, meditator. I mean, I am sort of now, but back then it was still very, it was still new. And I would say like, yeah. I just need to do it again right now. Like different meditation, fine. A different five minutes, it's fine. And that really was helpful because then I could go back and renew, go back and renewed as opposed to going back in being like, oh, I have to push this feeling away. So like old Renee, like pre-pandemic Renee was like, push it away, get it done, push it away. Just, you know, like my very type A mentality, like get it done, get Uh it done. It doesn't work for me anymore. I, I, I like, I have what I call like soft mornings. Like I need a soft morning. I don't like noise. 
um if my husband happens to be home he, he tends to watch like very loud movies in the living room and my <laughs> office is like right next to the living room and it used to make me annoyed and now i just put my i put my noise canceling air you know airpods in and go about my day you know what i mean like yeah I, you just have to make you have to make your own peace and protect your own peace if that's what you need and i think the mindset is just it's just a part of this it's just for me it's just really tuning into what i need when i need it and not making excuses like oh i'll do it in five minutes or just push through or you know deal with it later like those things haven't been useful for me so that that's yes. my encouragement for everyone listening as far as this mindset piece goes in 2022 and you know whether we're talking about big t trauma little t trauma just the the basic trauma of the pandemic um if mindset is something that you know, that you felt compelled to skip this episode <laughs> because this isn't something you think you need or it's too woo-woo for you. I would say, give it a give it another thought. What do you say to that, Andrea, of people who are just like, this isn't for me, this is too woo-woo? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that's a great, I love everything you just said because it's actually a really great point. Uh, we hear people talk about mindset a lot. It's such a buzzword. We talk about meditation a lot. There is, and by the way, even though it sounds woo-woo, literally everything we're talking about is science-based. You know, That's there right. are That's multiple right. studies for all of these points. So it's really not woo-woo at all. But it's, there is a, our minds and bodies are not separate. They are completely connected. And so if you feel like, I don't, know what I want. I don't know what I need right now. Then just do what you were talking about and listen to your body or feel what's going on in your body because your body will tell you the things that you're not maybe emotionally aware of. So sometimes we are so stressed and anxious that we cannot even sit to do a meditation. That's right. Right. So well, that's why I love that you said you walk because actually that's yeah. kind of a walking, like walking is a kind of meditation. Absolutely. It's yeah, it's a physical there's, that's the thing is like, so when they, when people talk about mindful practices, meditation is kind of the go-to, but it's not the only one. And I think when you're really, really stressed, doing something more physical is your entry point. So maybe it's yoga, maybe it's, dancing mm -hmm. maybe it's walking but go like literally shake it off your body needs to work it out i mean sometimes it's just put on a song and thrash around your office you know what i mean yes. like no one's watching just just do it are you familiar with the book by julia cameron called walking in the world no so julia cameron is the artist's way yeah and yeah. she has a book you should check it out called it's it's a really it's been around for probably 20 years now called walking in this world, which is like a follow-up to the artist way that she literally talks about walking meditation and gives you like prompts and journaling and just like, a, just things to think about while you're walking and things to ponder and, and, and kind of talks about the science behind like moving your body through, through your thoughts kind of, it's really, it's interesting. I'll put a link in the show notes for my listeners. Um, I, I think I've never talked about the artist way on this show, which is probably going to change this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now that I think about it. Yeah. That's, that's where I got that initial idea of writing every morning, you know, 
it's that book the morning pages It's, it's solid yeah and if you know the that reminds me of another book which has been on the new york times bestseller list for like two years now which says a lot about where we're at as a culture in my mind but it's um called the body keeps the score and it is and i'm totally gonna butcher the guy's name it's vessel van der kolk i believe but it's this all whole day has been about butchering names so it's totally fine <laughs> this is what we do, this is what we do. <laughs> it's all about how connected our minds and bodies are in terms of processing trauma. And by the way, like, even though we're, we're talking about trauma with a capital T or whatever, we have all experienced some level of trauma. Oh yeah. And we don't, we haven't always processed it and it, and it lives in our bodies. And there, this one concept gave me goosebumps the first time I heard it. I actually heard this from a, a therapist. She said, There are certain chemicals, stress hormones, you know, that our body releases when we are anxious or stressed or depressed or whatever, and they can only be released through water. And so what that means is it can only be released through either sweat or tears. Oh, wow. Isn't that interesting? And and so she she's like, that is honestly one of the big reasons why doctors often recommend exercise to help with depression and anxiety. It's really about releasing those chemicals. And that's why sometimes if you just have a really good cry about something, you'll find mm-hmm. that you feel so much better after. Yeah, I also wonder if that has something to do with why I love the water so much, like the ocean. Mm, oh yeah there's definitely a correlation and that there's um the ocean specifically releases negative ions which really helps with reducing stress in the body i love it well you heard it here first people go write (laughs) it down walk it out get to some water sweat or cry welcome welcome to mindset um Andrea, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at andreagavara.com, which is A-N-D-R-E-A, and then G like garage, U-E, V like Victor, A-R-A. Love it. Are you also an Instagram person? I am. That, that is my only social media that I actually enjoy, I will probably say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, love it. It's so, I hate to say that, but it's true. Um, it's, I'm at the Andrea Guevara. Ooh, fancy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, everyone go give Andrea a follow. Thank you so much for this. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing all these tips. I think mindset is something I'm going to be forever yelling about on the show because it's honestly, I think second to knowing yourself, I think it's the most important skill for entrepreneurs to to master and or not master because I don't think there's ever a point where we're done, but just engage in, right? Just dive into, just roll around in it and don't be afraid of it. Absolutely. It is the game changer. It is the number one thing that changed my life and my business. Mm, I love it. Thank you so much for being here. And listeners, uh, thank you again for spending your time with us. I know that your time is the one thing you can't make more of. And so I never take it lightly that you spent it with us. We will see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now, friends. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at ReneeDallow.com forward slash podcast and connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram. 